Recently, I had an event in New York City. I had hundreds of people come and I brought actual real couples up on stage and did a mini podcast right there in front of everyone. It was awesome. And I'm very pleased to announce that I'm doing two more events. I want to let you know about it before anyone else knows. June 1st, I'm going to be in Philadelphia. June 4th in Boston. If you want tickets, you can get them at iwt.com slash philly and iwt.com slash boston. Between now and May 3rd, you can use the pre-sale code RICHLIFE to get tickets. Again, June 1st, I'll see you in Philly and June 4th in Boston, iwt.com slash philly and iwt.com slash boston. Um, what the hell is going on on this podcast that like 80% of the people who come on here go through massive screening, fill out applications. They never actually read my book. Is anyone else puzzled by this? Look, a lot of the questions that you ask me about money are answered directly in I Will Teach You To Be Rich. How do you pay off your student loans? How do you automate your finances? Where do you start investing? And how do you handle big purchases? I wrote this book as a six-week program so you can follow along on your own or with a partner. If you want to improve your finances, I recommend you get the I Will Teach You To Be Rich book. It has over 18,000 reviews on Amazon. Get it at iwt.com slash book. For me, the problem is Charlotte has many ideas, as do I, of how to live a rich life. I take the perspective of this is what we want. How do we go from step A to step B to get it? Her perspective is more, this is what we want. We'll do it and we'll figure it out afterwards. When things don't work out, I have to come in and save the day. And that's happened many times. In the the heat of that troubled time in Richmond, there definitely was talk of maybe we just need to go separate ways. And, and that was really, really hard to hear. I'm tired of us putting ourselves in this position to pull ourselves out of something. Like it's this pattern that doesn't need to happen anymore. Like I don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to have to pull us out of these situations. Today, I'd like you to meet Alex and Charlotte. Alex is 31 years old, and he brings in about $70,000 from his full-time job. Charlotte is 29, and she's focused on building a business, which doesn't yet bring in a lot of money. Charlotte calls herself an intuitive. She believes in letting the universe take care of her. In today's conversation, you're going to hear her use words like manifesting. Alex has had to play a different role. He's had to step in to save the day whenever this faith in manifesting has not been enough. And as a result, they live month to month. In fact, they both have a lot of debt that is not being tackled. And this is a problem because their income recently doubled. They need a plan for what to do with this money because so far, It just seems to be disappearing. I'm Ramit Sethi. Welcome to I Will Teach You To Be Rich. We decided that we wanted to elope. And um, the first question that (laughs) came to Alex's mind was, how are we going to pay for it? And that's a valid question. But I, I don't think that's the first question we need to ask. So basically, I went into thinking about that. And then I drew up a short budget and... I'm not usually a budget writing person, so it was a very loose budget. But um, after that, I said, okay, we need to manifest 
um, $5,000. So I didn't look at it as what are we going to dig out of our savings, but how much money are we going to allow to come into our reality? Literally days later, my dad handed me a check for $5,000 that came from my grandparents who recently passed away and they wanted every grandkid to have 5,000. So I, that was just such confirmation for me. And, um, it felt like a blessing and it felt like blessings for my grand, my grandparents. And it was just like, okay, well, there it is. That's a relief. This is a yes. This is our wedding money. And we're going to put it aside for that. Alex was going along with that. And then it really surprised me when he said, like, I know that you have an idea for that money, but if we were to put all of that money towards our credit card debt, we would be able to save like $500 from interest by June, which is when we plan to have the ceremony. So that was jarring for me because that is so not the vibe. (laughs) What does that mean, the vibe? I just felt kind of like peaceful and blissful. And uh, I just had a lot of uh, gratitude. And his recommendation felt like a contrast to that where it felt like cold and calculated and rigid and just a bummer to me. I'm not really a big manifesting guy. I don't use the word, but I don't mind it. I can understand the idea that we need to make space in our lives for the things we want, that it's okay to say what we want. At its best, manifesting can help us be intentional about the kind of lives we want to live. It can help us make a plan to get there. But at its worst, manifesting can be a phrase that broke life coaches use to convince other people to sign up for their coaching programs on Instagram. Charlotte's use of the word manifesting is a major clue to how she thinks about money. What do you notice so far? I was raised um, Catholic. And so there's a lot of interesting money kind of programming that comes into play that I've been really working through a lot in the last few years. But like what? Um, like a rich man has better chance of getting into heaven than a camel passing through the eye of a needle. So very much like renouncing any sort of wealth and abundance um, in the interest of being humble. So as a kid um, and very impressionable, I was just like, okay, like let's go move into a a manger. <laughs> so let's give all our money to God and just be, um, we'll be taken care of. And, um, and growing up, I think that there are pieces of that that are, are valid. Um, I, I do think that God, the universe, whatever you want to call it, like really does provide. And I've experienced that. I've experienced that, that example with the check is the perfect thing. It's like, this is what I need from the universe and it and it did provide i don't think that money has to come from like grinding and working really hard like you of course you have to work really hard but i think it can come to you more naturally charlotte is essentially saying that if you're a good person you'll be taken care of i'm not loving it and of course Anytime something good happens, it's interpreted under this lens. See, we made $5,000. God takes care of us. Remember that poster that my mom has in her hallway? It says, trust in God, but lock your car. And on the back, there's a discount 
price tag from TJ Maxx. Now, if you believe in God, that's great. But you still need a conscious spending plan. And now that I think about it, if Charlotte was right, if the universe really took care of her, why would she be on a call with me? Were your parents wealthy? Not really. My dad was in the military for a long time. So the first um, portion of my life where he was in the military, we were really well taken care of. He was like a commander in the Navy and like, we were good. We were traveling around Europe. Um, anything I ever wanted, like beautiful gifts um, from all around the world. And it was just like a really secure, wonderful childhood. Um, but then after uh, my dad retired, my parents started a little country store right at the beginning of the recession and, um, and, and kind of lost it all. So there were definitely times growing up where like we couldn't go somewhere because we couldn't afford gas. Um, we could only make one errand a day. <laughs> we lived really far out in the country. So gas was a really big deal and upstate New York is really expensive. So I remember things like that. I remember feeling bad about asking for lunch money. It was abundant at first, but then it definitely turned more scarce. What were the messages that you started receiving when things became scarce? Honestly, it felt like my dad, he kind of turned it so that there was almost like a, a pride around it. Like God will smile on us or God will be like, happy with us for living so humbly and frugally. And there's so many more things that are, this is, this is key. There's so many more things important or more important than money, like having a home over your head, having family, having food. So many more things are important than money and we should focus on those. Hmm. Do you agree with that? that? I think that it's, I think that it's true. Um, to, it's important to be grateful um, but I think that when you have that mindset, you can really block money from coming in because if you say, well, I have a roof over my head, I have food on the table, I guess I don't really need money because that's not as important where that's not true. I think it's important to have money flowing in and abundance is a wonderful thing. Alex, I want to come back to the wedding check. So you had been talking about eloping and she comes to you and says like we should get married and your first question was what <laughs> how will we pay for it <laughs> uh-huh. yeah that my first response essentially was i think we could we could use it to pay off debt like that i guess that's probably it mm-hmm. so when you said to her we could use this to pay off our debt and then i'm sure you proudly showed her your calculation <laughs> we can save well, this no, much actually. in interest <laughs> i've i've been i've been that guy and how did that go over with her she said, we're not doing that. This is important to me to use the money that I got from my grandparents who passed away for something that is enjoyable and not a cold calculated decision. Mm-hmm. And how do you feel about that? I felt understanding. Um, she had just lost her grandparents. And I agreed that would be a good use of $5,000. And $5,000 wouldn't get us out of debt. So I, I understood that perspective. Okay. So what's the issue here, Alex, as you see it? What do you think is the real problem here? For me, the problem is Charlotte has many ideas, as do I, of how to live a rich life. I take the perspective of this is what we want. How do we go from step A to step B to get it? 
her perspective is more, at least my understanding of it, this is what we want. We'll do it and we'll figure it out afterwards. So the, I would say that the biggest problem for me is when things don't work out, I have to come in and save the day. And that's happened many times um, because I have the credit. Well, not anymore, but I did have the credit. Um, I usually am able to come up with money by working. Can you give me an example where you've had to save the day in the past? Sure. We moved from Oregon where we met in graduate school to Richmond, Virginia. Charlotte had lived there for I don't know, five or six years before she said, I have an extensive network of healthcare professionals that we can partner with. I was super excited. And I was like, great, we'll move there. Um, I had an internship in Richmond, just worked out perfectly. And so I was down for it. But we didn't, our business didn't take off at all. In fact, we're, I was living off of this debt. And me saving the day looked like we have to figure this out. So I had connections in North Carolina. I got both of us jobs in North Carolina. So we ended up moving from there. That's one instance. Um, in New York, same thing was happening. We were at her dad's. We had a plan to start a business, which we did. But I realized it wasn't going to make enough money to support us moving from there. So I applied for like 30 jobs. I got one great job, which is what I'm doing full-time now. And so I saved that in a sense. So I was able to come up with like $8,000 in like a couple months and move us to this house we live in now. I'm an idea machine. And I am very intuitive with, with reaching out to you even. It's just like I have this inclination and I go for it. And he seems to, to trust me and go along with it. Um, but I think it doesn't always work out as planned. So it seems like when we get kind of backed into a financial corner, he always pulls this trick out of his sleeve and he'll like find a job or something and we pivot. How does that feel to you when he saves the day? It definitely feels like a relief. And, but sometimes it's, it's like, I don't know. I, I almost feel bad or crazy or something for like leading him down this, this wild goose chase, even though I think good things always come out of it. Um, I, I don't think he appreciates my spontaneous nature. Hmm. Uh, why would you feel bad if, as you said, good things always come from this? I guess it's like a double-edged sword. I didn't like seeing him struggle so much in Richmond, like applying for like 20 jobs a day and just like not even getting a nibble because I, I really talked it up. I really talked up my town and I believed it, but I, I just felt bad for putting him through that. But like some good things came out of it because I was able to make like reconnect with a lot of people, consolidate all of my belongings, like some loose ends needed to be tied up there. So it, it felt, and looking back, like it was the right move, but um, maybe it could have been done better. Mm. When you both get your backs against a corner and he has to save the day, how do you think he feels? I think probably the first time it happened, he probably felt like, it's like, okay, we got this. <laughs> I got out of it. Like we're good. The second or third time it happened, he's probably like, okay, this is a pattern that I don't know if I can always pull this trick. Mm. You want to ask him? Um, Alex, how do you feel when you have to save the day? Uh, the first in Richmond, I felt 
like my life was over. I have taken a huge risk and I didn't pay off. So I, I knew that this would be another one. So when it didn't pay off again, I was depressed, anxious, like mental health spiraling. That's how I felt, to be honest. Like I felt probably one of the worst times of my life living in Richmond. But it's a great, it's a great city. I loved it. <laughs> in that sense, like what you can do there, but mentally, emotionally, I just felt like exhausted and just almost hopeless at points. I, I even thought about moving back home and like just not being together anymore. Like that, that's honestly how I felt. This is pretty extreme. And Charlotte had never asked Alex about this before. It can be common in a relationship dynamic where you have a creative, a muse, a dreamer, and on the other side, the rescuer. There's often so much attention paid to the dreamer and their passions and their problems that nobody spends time on the rescuer. If you're in a relationship where you are fixing things, you can take that burden on for a long time. If you see yourself as the fixer, you can bear a greater burden for longer than you can possibly imagine. But everybody breaks. And more importantly, when you stop to look around at what your life has become, you might ask, is this what I really want? If you ever follow me on Instagram, sometimes you'll see me post about my behind-the-scenes travel experiences, coffee tours, salsa-making classes in Mexico, all kinds of culinary stuff in India. And I'll get a lot of people saying, where do I find that Kyoto notepad maker that you found? And one place you can find that is Viator. In fact, my wife and I used Viator to book a Segway tour where we took a tour of a new city and we had an amazing experience, something we never would have thought of doing on our own. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. And with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everybody. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real travel reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best travel activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. I have a friend of mine who's always cold. She told me she and her partner have totally different temperatures when they sleep. She goes to bed in a flannel pajama. She's got extra blankets. Her partner's running hot. So now she recently started testing the pod cover from 8sleep, one of our sponsors. Before she goes to sleep, she gets on the app, cranks up the heat, and when she gets into bed at night, it's already warm and waiting for her. The pod cover by 8sleep fits on your bed like a fitted sheet, and it collects information. It has sensors. The pod then uses that information to understand what you need to get better sleep. You can set it to heat up or cool down before you get into bed. It also adjusts while you sleep, and you can set it to change temperatures to gently wake you up in the morning. Best part, there are two zones. So if you run hot and your partner runs cold, you can each set your side of the bed to exactly how you want it. Improve the way you sleep by using my link at 8sleep.com slash Ramit for $200 off plus free shipping on their high-tech pod three cover. That's 8sleep.com slash Ramit, E-I-G-H-T, sleep.com slash Ramit, R-A-M-I-T, for a better, smarter sleep. 
I'm tired of us putting ourselves in this position to pull ourselves out of something. Like it's this pattern that doesn't need to happen anymore. Like I don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to have to pull us out of these situations. Charlotte, did you know that? Um, yeah, actually in the, the heat of that troubled time in Richmond, there definitely was talk of like, maybe we just need to go separate ways and, and that was really, really hard to hear at the time. And I'm glad that we stuck it out. But did you hear what he said about, he talked about his mental health. He talked about almost giving up, moving back home. Those are really serious words. Did you know that? We definitely talked about it a lot. And and that's that's a main reason why... When he did find a job, or find us both jobs, actually, in North Carolina, I didn't hesitate because I was like, okay, I went, it didn't work, let's do it your way, because I just didn't want to see him going on like that. That's great, to be able to respond to circumstances and to acknowledge, hey, this route we took is not working. We got to do something else. That is very Mm -hmm. advanced. (laughs) You know, usually when I talk to people who are deep down a hole, uh, they just tried the same thing 20 times. And they go, Ramit, uh, I think I'll just try this another time. Surely (laughs) it will work. So I'm actually very happy to hear you say that. The reason, Charlotte, that I pushed on that question was that I notice you tend to pivot to the positive. You know, yeah, we went to Richmond. Oh, it was a disaster. My partner's mental health totally deteriorated. But anyway, I got to consolidate my belongings and meet some old friends. Like, no, that's not the takeaway. So I I will say that, not to make a joke of this, this is as serious as it gets. You know, Mm -hmm. we're talking about mental health. We're talking about your relationship. I am glad to hear that you acknowledge, you know, there are some costs of being spontaneous. There are some serious costs of being intuitive. Intuition can be great. I think we should all learn to listen to our intuition more. But it affects the people around you, especially a partner. They don't have that same intuition. And if they're the ones especially having to save the day, that can be really, really difficult. Mm -hmm. I've noticed that Charlotte is very good at pivoting to the positive. Even when she acknowledges something negative, at the end of her sentence, she spins it to look at the bright side. Now, that can be a good thing, but it can also prevent her from confronting reality. After they'd moved to North Carolina, Charlotte proposed that they leave the jobs they'd gotten and move to upstate New York. What's great about this is you see a silver lining almost to a fault. You're, you're not talking about any of the possible negative things, right? Well, guess what? I love to look at the negative things. <laughs> so if you said that to me, how do you think I would respond? Probably that it's crazy to leave our jobs without a strong financial plan. Bingo. I would say, um, what, what are we going to do in upstate New York? Um, do we want to live with your parents? I don't know the situation there. Uh, 
how do we know that this is going to work out when the last two things have not? Like, what is our plan? Can we talk about that? I want to know some details, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's not necessarily negative. It's just like, give me some facts here. We got to have some information. Mm-hmm. Alex, did you do that? Yes. Uh, <laughs> to be fair to Charlotte, she's not the only one with the intuition. Like, we just got to make the move. I'm the same way. I wouldn't have gone along with it. Oh, man. But yes. Yeah. Two, two intuitives. <laughs> this is like but, three's but, company right now. We got two <laughs> intuitives and then me. All right. Let's but, uh, get into this. Great. But, uh, I'm training myself to not do that because I, I've, before I met Charlotte, I was like, I'm going to quit my job and be a personal trainer. I'm going to make a hundred thousand a year. And no, I, I didn't. I, I was broke. Like I could barely pay anything. And I was like, this, this sucks. Like I'm not <laughs> going to do this again. First of all, if you quit your job to become a personal trainer without checking how much any personal trainers actually make, that is a good way to go broke. I even told him, wait a second. Did you talk to any other trainers? He goes, yeah. I was like, what'd you say? Hey, you're all trainers and you're all broke. Sounds great. Sign me up. He's like, no, not really. I didn't ask them how much they made. It seems a little to me like both of them are living in la-la land. I also think both of them need skin in the game. Right now, it's mostly just Alex. I can't say that I care about money in the way that Alex cares about it, but I am trying to... I'm I'm trying to get a little bit more um, invested, hmm. put a little bit more skin in the game because Alex half jokingly calls me an outlaw because I I really am like allergic to anything financial paperwork DMV like I've been I've been really irresponsible and. Um, I try to avoid that kind of stuff. Like I said, I would just be happy just living off the land. But I've come to realize that if I want to live in that way, like I need to, I need to get things in order. Like you can't buy a house if you don't have a credit history right. or start. <laughs> that stuff's starting to catch up with me. And I'm realizing that I need to become more proactive and more uh, responsible. It sounds very intellectual. Do you really care about this? Uh, in my heart, not, not really. I care about Alex and I care about our future and I care about our, um, safety and security. And I know intellectually, I guess, like how money plays a part in all of that. But, um, thinking about finances and saving and investing and all of those important things don't really invoke any sort of strong feeling. Okay. I appreciate the honesty. I'm not here to beat you up for how you feel. I actually love that you're telling me the truth. A lot of people come here, they apply, do all the stuff that you did, and then they come here and lie to my face. I go, why are you wasting my time? (laughs) Don't lie to me. You're telling me the truth. What you're saying is intellectually, I know I need to go to the DMV and get my driver's license so that I can get XYZ. Fine. It's all logistics. But do I feel excitement around setting up an investment plan? No. Would I even feel... In fact, would you even feel excitement if you saw $10,000 in your savings account? I would feel like relief, I guess. What would, what would be more exciting to you? Uh, building a plan to invest your money or manifesting some amount of money and it just gets sent to you as a check? Manifest. 
Yeah. Why? It makes, I feel like it makes me feel, I'm a very spiritual person and it, it makes me feel like connected and supported and um, it's validating. There's a lot of strong connection, like emotional connections to to manifesting, to have a check arrive in the mail that's down to the dollar amount that you're looking that you need for some random thing. Like that feels like you're a part of a mysterious, amazing universe. What was an example where, besides the wedding, what was an example of something that you have manifested specifically financially and you received it? I have like a journal <laughs> page uh, where I wrote down a bunch of little things. Um, but like one, what? one, putting me on the spot, it's, this is, this really imprinted on me in a young age. So my sister is adopted from China. And when I was little, we were trying to figure out a way <laughs> where my sibling would come in. And, um, a lot of, I mean, we don't really like to talk about it, I guess, but there's a lot, a lot of money that goes into like the adoption process, um, and, and travel and fees and paperwork and all the things. And so we really wanted, um, to, or my family really wanted to adopt, but we weren't sure, um, how the money was going to come in. And out of the blue, we get a letter from, a family that was renting our house in Virginia. So we were living in Germany, but we had, my parents owned a house in Virginia. They were renting out. The family renting had a garage sale and a person came to the garage sale and said, I love this house. I'd like to buy it in cash. And the renters reached out to us. This is the amount that they want to put down. It was the exact amount, exact amount that they needed to go forward with the adoption. So that just that just struck a chord in me forever, and um, and then I've seen that kind of play out in in smaller ways. That's amazing. I've never heard a story like that. What do you take away from that story? That God provides, the universe provides. My dad would probably say, like, if you were faithful, then you'll get rewarded. I don't know if I see it that way, but I guess that is something that's imprinted to me is is like really believing. I want to say I've not been let down by that, but like I said, we've definitely got into some rocky situations. Yeah. I mean, you have over $110,000 of debt. Yeah. If it was just... Yeah, if it was just about manifesting, why don't you just manifest $110,000? Well, that's a good question. I I think, okay, with the 110000 so we have two different like pools of debt. We've got like our credit card debt and the student loans. I have 110000 thousand in student loans. And... Like I said, money doesn't invoke a strong emotional response for me. I feel so disconnected to that debt. It's all student debt. And I honestly feel like that was the hoax of the century. I wouldn't like take back my college education, but what I paid for 
for what I got and what the job, like what my career outlook looked like after college. I mean, I'm, I could talk forever about that and I, and I'll <laughs> spare you, but honestly, I feel disconnected from it. I don't feel like it's mine. It wasn't me swiping a credit card for years to accrue this. It, it's not something that I see. It's not like a fancy car in the driveway. It's not a fancy wardrobe. It's not a big house. So many people feel resentful about their student debt. You can just hear it dripping off their voices when they talk about it. And some of them just ignore it. I'm talking about ignoring $100,000 plus in debt. When I talk to them, it simply does not exist to them. They think they can ignore it, but they can't. For example, in episode number 36, called We Make $145,000 a Year, but have $828,000 in debt. I spoke to two physical therapists who were stuck with student debt that they felt tricked into taking on. But just like I shared in that conversation, there is a way out. I get tons of email every single day, and I want to give you a behind-the-scenes look at how I manage emails from my team, from my family, and from you. I use a piece of software called Superhuman, and this is an email software that I actually pay for out of my own pocket. It works with your existing email service like Gmail or Outlook. And let me share how it saves me over 10 hours a week. So here are a few things I love about it. First off, it splits my inbox into different streams. So my important emails come into one place. It's not cluttered with a bunch of subscriptions everywhere. Next, I use keyboard shortcuts. Unlike you barbarians who literally click and peck through every single email. U to mark it unread, S to star it, J or K to cycle through messages. And I use keystrokes to schedule messages, like when I want to ask one of my coworkers a question, but I don't want to send them an email on a Saturday. Now, I can work through dozens of emails in minutes using this. And Superhuman just introduced an AI feature, which allows you to take a huge email with all these people chiming in and automatically summarize what's going on in a few bullet points. It'll even draft emails for you. So if you want to buy back your time, Superhuman is a no-brainer to me. It's something I spend my own money on and I love it. Right now, all IWT listeners will get a free month of Superhuman. You can get started at superhuman.com slash Ramit. That's superhuman.com slash Ramit, R-A-M-I-T. A few years ago, I was at a tea tasting in New York with one of my buddies. I thought it was going to be a normal tea tasting. Suddenly, six people from Japan come in. They pour basically three thimblefuls of tea and we taste it. I've never tasted anything like that. And they tell us if we were to buy that, just the three thimblefuls, it would be $75. Now, drop for drop, that's the most expensive thing I've ever had to drink. Not all of us have the time or the money to buy that specific tea from that specific mountainside in Japan. But what if you could capture that feeling of the care and the love, even the way that they served it to us? What if you could bring that to your home every morning? Well, I want to introduce you to one of our newest sponsors, Peak Tea. What makes Peak Tea special is that the tea is cold extracted using only wild harvested leaves from 250-year-old tea leaves. That makes the tea rich in minerals, and other beneficial compounds. Now, the greatest part is that peak tea is zero prep. There's no tea bag that you have to steep for the perfect amount of time. Peak dissolves in cold or hot water in seconds. It's already pre-measured. It's perfectly brewed. 
and it's perfect to take if you travel. My team's been trying peak tea, and they especially love the Pu'er green teas. For a limited time, get up to 15% off and a free quiver with 12 tea samples with my link, peaklife.com slash Ramit. That's P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E dot com slash Ramit, R-A-M-I-T. When you think about that debt, what word comes to mind? I don't want the intellectual word. What word do you feel when you think about that debt? Injustice. Yeah. Why? Because, like I said, it, it felt like a hoax. This was something I, I signed on the dotted line when I was like 18 years old. And I specifically remember counselors telling me, yes, it's expensive, but within five years, you'll be able to pay it all off because you'll get such a great job. And I'm like, I don't know. I got a, a bachelor's degree in biology from a liberal arts school. And, <laughs> and I ended up having to pursue like more education to, to see if I could do something with that. It just has not turned out at all like it was portrayed to me when I was a teenager. And this is something that it feels like it's going to follow me around forever. Yeah. Well, at the current state of affairs, it will. I don't want that. Mm-hmm. It's frustrating hearing from people who feel injustice about loans. The schools don't do a great job of informing you about reality. No 17-year-old kid understands what interest rates are. Everybody's told you since you were a little kid, got to go to college. You have to. Just sign. You got in. And so they don't do a great job informing. Some of them actually openly lie about their graduation rates. They hide information. And then at the same time, you know, young people are not stupid. They do know that taking out tens of thousands of dollars of debt is probably not great, especially for certain majors. But I'm not here to play the blame game. I feel for you because I can see how resentful you are about that debt. And I see that what you've chosen to do is basically just put it aside and just ignore it. But can I come back to that question I asked you? If manifesting alone would work, why don't you just manifest yourself out of this debt? My mindset around money and my methods <laughs> um, isn't quite cutting it. And I think Alex, who has a very analytical perspective, um, might be a very important missing element. In other words, you need help. Yeah, I can learn. I can learn from him. Love that. Okay. That's great. Now, Alex, you also have debt. In fact, you have over $150,000 of debt. 138000 of that is student loans. And then you've got uh, $20,000 of credit card debt. What's the story behind that? You know, same thing. Uh, I was like top 5% of my class. That makes sense. I'm going to go to school. I... I didn't have any education around finances at that point. So like the first forty or $50,000, I just didn't think about it. So that was undergrad. And then um, after undergrad, I did kind of a major that it was like biomedical science. It doesn't really train you to do anything specifically. And then I, I studied for the MCAT. I didn't do that well. And I just realized it, it wasn't for me. And then 
I was working for years and then I realized that wasn't going anywhere. So I decided to go back to school to get a master's degree and then apply to medical school again. And then while I was in school, I remembered, oh yeah, I don't really want to do another four years of school and all this training. And then at the same time, I met Charlotte who had the same vision as me. So that's, that explains that part of the debt. I was just like, I'll become a doctor. I'll pay it off. It won't be that hard. And then the credit card debt, that came through the more recent events of moving to upstate New York without having a real plan of how to grow our business. There's a lot of impulsive decisions from Alex here. It's interesting. Sometimes people cover up their impulsive decisions with positive words like intuitive. That's what Charlotte does. But Alex actually does the same thing. He just doesn't call himself intuitive. Listen, your intuition might be a good guideline for deciding whether to get pasta or Thai food tonight. But it's not enough for deciding on your career or your money. You can't intuit the power of compound interest. You need to read a book. Now, some of us are more intuitive. Some of us are more data-driven. But the magic comes from acknowledging where you are and then supplementing your natural strengths by getting help. If you're creative and intuitive, read a book. If you're super analytical, listen to this podcast. Learn how to talk to your partner about money. I joke around a lot on this podcast. I want you to know that money is fun. But building a rich life is also serious. It's your life. I want you to take it seriously. What do you call someone who speaks three languages? Trilingual. What do you call someone who speaks two? Bilingual. And what do you call someone who speaks one language? American. (laughs) Listen, imagine you're going to Mexico or Italy or Thailand this year. Wouldn't it be amazing to at least ask where the bathroom is in the local language or to say thank you when you're walking out of a restaurant? This fall, you can start speaking a new language with Babbel. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Here's a special limited time deal for IWT listeners to help you get started right now. Get 55% off your Babbel subscription only for IWT listeners at babbel.com slash Ramit. Get 55% off babbel.com slash Ramit. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash Ramit. Rules and restrictions may apply. I like companies that find innovative ways to save money and then they pass those savings along to you. Take Mint Mobile, one of our sponsors. Unlike other wireless companies, they decided to ditch retail stores and all those overhead costs, and they passed those savings along to you. For a limited time, they're passing on even more savings with a new customer offer that cuts all Mint Mobile plans to $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. I had one of my coworkers test out Mint Mobile. She said the service was identical to her existing Verizon account. So if the service is the same, switching to premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month is a no-brainer. Now you'll notice on this show, I recommend to couples ways to cut their fixed costs. If you can dramatically cut your fixed costs on say wireless, that is one way that you can take that money, pay off debt faster, spend it on guilt-free spending, or invest it aggressively. Go to mintmobile.com slash Ramit. That's mintmobile.com slash Ramit. Cut your wireless bill to $15 a month at mintmobile.com slash Ramit. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details.
I think that you use intuition to play small. Intuition can be amazing. It can be a tool in a tool belt that so many people do not take advantage of. I'm only recently learning how to use intuition in my life. My wife has been very helpful in helping me open my eyes to that. I love analysis. That's where I come from. But if you use intuition only, you might find yourself playing a very small life. Like, think about it. How big of a deal was it when you started thinking about your wedding? You know, this elopement that you wanted to have, one to 10. That's a 10. That's a 10. I notice you're not talking about anything bigger. I notice you're not really talking about the house that you want to get. I notice you're certainly not talking about paying off this debt and being debt free. I notice you haven't once, either of you mentioned traveling. You're playing small and you're using intuition to obscure that fact. I never thought of it that way. That's, that's really true. Um, it, it really brings me back to my childhood where it's like we're living within these means. Within, we're living by the grace of God and this is what we have. And even planning this elopement, like it is going to be beautiful and luxurious and Catalina Island. And it's going to be an incredible thing, but I'm still only dreaming within the parameters of this $5,000 check. Totally. The check that was given to you, you didn't make a plan to earn $5,000. You're literally playing within the bounds of something that just came to you. I find in my experience that you will never trip and fall your way into a rich life. Never happen. Nobody wakes up living their rich life and says, oop, I accidentally got here. It is engineered. It is designed thoughtfully. Mm. It takes work. And absolutely, it takes intuition as well. In my life, my rich life, being able to travel for months every year with my wife, sometimes bring our family and others. That takes planning, takes investing, saving, earning. All that is very logistical. I got my spreadsheet. I review it every month. I love it. But it also takes an intuition to say, you know what, this year I think we should do this. Or what do you feel? I'm talking to my wife. What do you think, babe? Should we do this? You know what? We haven't seen these friends in a long time. Let's invite them with us. Intuitive. Or I feel like we should go really big this year. Or let's shrink it and spend some money elsewhere. That's intuitive. We can marry the two. But if we were just intuitive, what do you think it would look like for our rich lives? Right now, day to day, you have a fine life. You know, your household income is what? 70 or so, between 70 to $90,000. That's more money than I think you've ever made. Your debt is accruing, but you don't really care. You're not logging into it. And, you know, you, you, day to day, it's okay. You got your TV. You could probably take a trip a couple times a year, see your family. So I'm not asking a rhetorical question. I'm really asking you, do you want to change? Because if you do, it will be really hard. We're talking about decades of rewriting your invisible scripts. What do you think? Um, 
yes, I think um, there is more than I want. And I, I, that doesn't mean that I don't feel grateful and blessed for what I have right now. But like you said, I don't want to continue to live small. Yeah. It's funny. Out of everything we've talked about today, that was the thing that I saw really reached you. When I said that, and you just, your eyes went wide. I think that tells me intuitively, you know, you have been playing small. Alex, do you want to change? Yes, I, I feel I'm a lot more anxious and like stressed out than I want to be. I want to change to just feel confident in my lifestyle. We have a rich life. It's it's incredible. I mean, we've lived in Oregon. Uh, we went to Vancouver when we first met. We've you know been to India, and Mexico. Like we've done like a lot of things that not everybody I know has done. So it's like we figured it out. But now I want to get to this point where it's like when if my family needs help or if you know we want to have a homestead we can buy it and it's not like a big deal we just have to put in the work to do and i know the tools are there i just have to learn them so that's the change that i'm making now in my life learn about finances understand the the next steps i have to take to really live this rich life and be able to share it with as many people as i can beautiful so you both want to change okay charlotte let's uh let's stick with this so you are now making double what you used to make but it seems like you're still living paycheck to paycheck right yeah. What do you think is happening? I've had a lot of beliefs about money that haven't been serving me. Yeah, I agree. Can you think of a woman you admire who's good with money? It does not have to be somebody in your life. It could be a celebrity, a movie character, even a fictional book character. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a big Almost 30 fan. So uh, Krista Williams from Almost 30, she's got this comfortability about talking about money that I really admire. Love it. Great. I've been on that show. Love talking about money with them. So what is the difference between you and her? Well, theoretically, (laughs) there's not. There's no reason that I can't be where she is financially. Um, But... One thing that comes up just from what she shared from her story is um, from a young age, she just loved working and bringing in money. And she just, she associated it with independence and freedom from an earlier age. Wow. Um, And you associated it with? Problems and um, burden. Yeah. (laughs) So she has a, a reverse attitude. Okay. Can you think of any specific behaviors she does that are different than you? From what I can tell, um, she she takes action and she makes plans. Let, let me ask a couple of questions. You tell me yes or no. Has she read a book on money? Yes. Mm-hmm. Does she talk about money with other women around her? Yes. When she talks about what she wants to do this year, does she factor in how much it's going to cost? Yes. Yeah, I think so. What are you taking away from this example? That you have to be a participant in your financial life. You can't just let go and let God. <laughs> um, sometimes that works. I mean, it seems to work for the, the bare minimum and the basic needs. 
but I want more than that. That's right. And if I want more than that, I have to, I have to take action and, and look at money and play with it and interact with it. That's right. It's about behaviors. Attitudes matter. Of course, the way you think about money. Well, here's another attitude. Trust in God, but lock your car, right? Mm -hmm. Trust is great, but take some precautions as well. Make a plan. And what I really want to emphasize is that anybody you admire with money has very specific behaviors that they do. These are tangible things that I could sit in the room and watch them doing. This is something that a lot of us miss. We think it's just about how people think. When I say, what behaviors do you need to change? I'm talking about if I were sitting in your house and I could sit there and watch you, I would be able to say, wow, she's making a spending plan or she's discussing money with her partner. Things like that. Mm -hmm. She's reading a book. What money behaviors do you think you need to change? I need to ask Alex more questions because just the way that our relationship is, he earns most of the money and he's, I, I'm just, I've been very keen to just let him take control of that. And even with our business, our shared business, he takes all the money in and then like disperses them to me. And I'm just like, thanks. And I don't ask any questions, but I, I need to know what's going on behind that curtain. Okay. How will you know what questions to ask? By doing some research. Where? Read a book. Let's decide right now, which book you're going to read. <laughs> well, you'll appreciate this. I found your book <laughs> in a thrift store the day after I heard back about being on the podcast, that that felt like an intuitive hold, hold on, thing hold on, to hold on. me. That is interesting, but let me just ask you a couple <laughs> questions now. Which color cover was it? The orange one or the black one? Orange. <sighs> oh my God. Oh, I think it was like neon colors. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> neon. That's the 2009 yeah. edition. I should have checked on the date. I'm not blaming you. I, you know, Get the new book, get it from the library if you like. The point is, trust me, I'm not doing this to make 80 cents from the book. It's about really taking this seriously. This is serious. A rich life is really serious. You know, I love joking around with you, but I don't want you to go another 20 years and still have debt and still be playing small. So whether it is spending money or in your case, more likely spending time, I want you to take this seriously. Okay. So you're going to read a book and you're going to come up with some questions to ask Alex. Now I want to understand what your rich life is. Why do I want to do this? Because right now we're fighting against decades of both of your invisible scripts. There's not a lot of emotional connection, Charlotte, from you and money. You've even told me you feel indifferent about it. You feel disconnected by it. And in fact, you have these deep down beliefs that were told to you that if you have money, you become a bad person. That's one of the reasons that I love doing what I do because I can show people, oh, you can actually make a lot of money and you can be incredibly generous. You can be politically active. You can tip huge when you go out for coffee or to eat at a restaurant. You can do all these things and you can enjoy your rich life, whether it's luxury or food or whatever. That's why I love doing what I do. So Charlotte, let's start with you. What is your rich life? My rich life, there's no compromising health. I lived a long time with a lot of health issues and that's just not something I, I 
want to deal with. Great. So um, good food. What else? Travel has always been important to me as a military kid. It's in my bones. I always do a solo trip every year and I'd like to have a more extended trip once a year. That's like me and Alex. And then I also want to have the freedom of visiting my sister and friends without it being a really big deal. How many times a year? Maybe like four times a year. Okay, great. So that sounds like two international trips and maybe two domestic trips. Would that be fair? Yeah. Great. What else? Homestead? Yes, homestead. Living as holistically as possible. Regenerative agriculture. So growing lots of our own food, preserving things. So what does that um, cost? Having live... Um, asking the wrong person. You know, that was so interesting right there. I, I intentionally interrupted you, not to be rude, but I could see your vision really spinning up. I could see the dream. In fact, I could even see the picture you were painting for me. And so when I interrupted you to say, how much does that cost? Did that remind you of when Alex asked you about the wedding yeah, money? Yeah, it did. It's and then jarring. What, exactly. And how did you respond to that? said, you're asking the wrong person. <laughs> yes, but I'm not asking the wrong person. I'm asking the person whose rich life it is. Mm-hmm. Yep, you're right. So, so notice, what, what did you just do there when you said you're asking the wrong person? I deflected. Yes. And why did you do that? It makes me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Right? And ashamed because I don't have that answer. And if it's so important to me to live my life that way, you would think... That's a question that I would find the answer to. Yeah. I could almost see you shrugging off my question. It's like I tossed you a ball and you just threw the ball away and hit it to someone else. You didn't want the weight of that responsibility. Even in a purely hypothetical answer, I have no idea what a homestead costs. I literally don't even know how many zeros are on it. You could have said anything, but instead you said, you're asking the wrong person. What I am loving here, beyond the entertainment of watching you squirm, I'm loving that you are engaging with money. You tried to shrug it off. You tried to deflect me. That didn't work. I don't mind if your answers are totally wrong. In fact, I'm certain they are, but that's not the point. The point is just to get you feeling comfortable talking about this because you said you're asking the wrong person but I believe I'm asking exactly the right person. I believe you know a lot more than you have allowed yourself to know. Okay, keep going. All right. Um, livestock. I know we, we, we actually did price out <laughs> for a cow that might be in our future and that's going to cost $1,000. So mm-hmm. if we had 20 cows, that would be $20,000. How much does it cost total with the, with the livestock and everything? Let's say $700,000. Okay, great. Let's do a reality check and just ask Alex. How am I doing? I think it's possible, actually. Although I'm not an expert. I mean, it could be close to like a million dollars. If you really want to build it out with like float tank and like everything like that, I think it would probably be close to like a million dollars. But if, well, if you let, me pause right th- let, me, let me pause you right there. I think you're going off for way too long. She's not really asking you is my number precisely correct? Which is what you thought she was asking. What is she really asking you, Alex? Do you want to engage in this conversation and actually yes. like look into this and not, not just put it aside? Anymore? Yes. She's saying, can you validate me 
that I am taking the first step. And so she's not actually looking for you to give her, it depends. First of all, stop <laughs> saying it depends. I fucking hate that answer. <laughs> Everything depends. People go, what's your investment? <laughs> it depends. Never say that. It's, so, it's like saying uh, you like to breathe oxygen. I know that. Tell me something I don't know. <laughs> so when she asks you, am I on the right track? Alex, give her the response that deep down she's looking for. I very much appreciate that you're having this conversation with me. It, it actually almost makes me want to cry that we're actually doing this and talking about it and not just saying, we want to have this. And I'm like, yeah, I, I want to have a float tank. We want to have all these things. And, but now we're actually doing it. I'm, I'm very moved emotionally. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. What a way to connect. And, and the two of you, I loved seeing that just now. Charlotte, did you notice that you were able to connect deeply with him, even though you made up most of those numbers? That was cool. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. You can get to the point where you can actually project these numbers. That's a whole nother skill. It involves doing research and talking to other homesteaders, et cetera. But like, Hey, we just got 50% of the way there by you just actually thinking about it and saying some numbers out loud. Talk about setting yeah. an intention. Mm. This is going from talking about a $1,000 expense and agonizing over it to this is the kind of life we want to live. $700,000. That's a big goal. That's a rich life. Now, how are we going to get there? You are so good at being intuitive. That's never going to leave you. You will always be guided by your intuition. I'm not taking that away from you at all. What I'm saying is let's add another guide. Instead of one guide, you now have two and they can work in harmony. Your intuitive guide will always be dominant for you. That's okay. My guide is analytical. I can't turn it off but I've learned that I need to tap into the other guide. And sometimes I need to let them fight it out a little and I need to notice what's happening, verbalize it, maybe even change it. You probably need to add on this analytical guide because right now it's about 100% intuitive and 0% analytical. I'd like to see that number slightly more balanced. It probably won't ever be 50-50. That's okay. What number do you think maybe it should be ultimately? At least 70, 30. 70, intuitive, 40. 30, mm -hmm. analytical. Yeah, I think that's great. Mm -hmm. See, doesn't that feel good? It's Nobody's telling you you have to change and become a hardcore Excel analyst. That's not going to happen. I don't even want that to happen for you. It's just not you. But you get to add on this entirely new skill set. I would like for you and Alex to set up a weekly time to talk about money. Get the new version of the book. In fact, get two copies so you each have one for yourselves. Each week, go through one chapter of the book. This is going to give you a front-to-back financial education. And it has action items at the end of every one. So it's going to play more on the analytical side. Of course, there's a lot of intuition in that book. Talk about money psychology. Talk about what do you actually love. All of that is in there. But it's going to be uncomfortable for you 
because you're going to write down your expenses and you're going to calculate your debt payoff date. But when you do that, suddenly things are going to start to crystallize from just this uh, sort of cloudy vision to something where you go, oh my God, now I see a path. Uh, That path might be really difficult. It might say in the math that it takes us 60 years to get there. But now I also know how I can get there a lot faster. Suddenly the debt is going to become something that's not just this blob in the corner that you both ignore, but it's something that you go, we have to go through this debt in order to get to our rich life. We have to confront it head on. So we're going to make a plan. We're going to automatically pay it off every single month. And we know what's going to come on the other side of that. Oh, it's going to be amazing. Not just because we're going to be debt-free, because we did it together. Yeah, That's that's a beautiful thing. I feel like I have a new perspective. I'm happy that it doesn't mean I have to like really change who I am. I just need to like add on some new skills and that it's okay if I, <laughs> if I don't know what I'm doing at first. Alex pointed out like we're masters of uh, physical wellness and we didn't start out that way and our clients don't start out that way. We need to learn these skills to have the, the financial wellness is just kind of the next step for us. Absolutely beautiful analogy. You started off from a baseline. You learned along the way. You get more and more sophisticated. It's the same thing with money. Yes, I love that you said that. I love that you connected it to your work. You understand what the path to mastery looks like. I really like talking to Alex and Charlotte. When I was working with them, my coworker Sydney pointed out that Charlotte is unapologetically herself. And we both loved that about her. I actually love that Charlotte is tapped into her intuition. One of the things I pointed out today is that many of us believe if we change, we'll lose the essence of who we are. Charlotte was afraid of this. But in my experience, you're never going to lose your essence. Charlotte has spent decades developing an identity as an intuitive, carving deep grooves every single day. She even connects manifestation with joy. What I tried to show them here was that you can also add an extra note. Charlotte, you'll always be intuitive, but you can also add being more analytical. And I received a follow-up from Charlotte and Alex after I spoke with them. You can get the full follow-up at iwt.com slash follow-ups. But let me give you a quick excerpt. Charlotte wrote, My biggest takeaway was that relying on manifestation and intuition alone may have helped me meet my basic needs, but it prevented me from dreaming big. When living by the grace of God, I was giving up my power and playing small. Why focus on manifesting $5,000 when I can cultivate the capacity to bring in $500,000? If I sit in the driver's seat of my financial well-being, I will no longer have to stress over the $1,000 questions. In order to do this, I have to actually engage with my finances. This is amazing. I want you to read the full letter and you can get it at iwt.com slash follow-ups. Thanks for listening to I Will Teach You To Be Rich. 
I'm Ramit Sethi. Please follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't read I Will Teach You To Be Rich, my book, pick up a copy. You can get it at any bookstore or any library, and it will show you the specific tactics for how to build the I Will Teach You To Be Rich system into your personal finances.